0: All right, man. Welcome to the introduction for Crow Triple Seven Radio podcast, episode 95. Jason Lindgren is with me. Um, We've gone a little away from the beaten path for the first hour here. By the way, in the second hour, we're going to finish up with all the remaining questions that were submitted by subscribers. That is always some of the most interesting stuff we cover. Um, So much stuff about sun, moon, medical marijuana. I mean, you name it. Um, They brought up topics that we discuss in the second hour. Very interesting But in the first hour, we had so many people come and wanted us to talk about the supposed launching of a sports car into space that we decided we'd give it a go. On top of that, there's a new meme out that is uh, stating that jet engines do not and cannot hold the amount of jet fuel, you're being told. We kind of briefly addressed that at the end. Jason and I have made a conscious decision to move away from making flat-out statements, this is fake or that's fake, and try to just have a level conversation that points out problems that we see in any given narrative that we take on. Part of the reason is that anyone who chooses to censor sh- censor a conversation like that is clearly in the wrong. We're just having an adult conversation. That's part of the reason. But we've come to understand that we see so many channels where people are what we consider often to be making clearly correct assumptions, the thing is not true. But in the way it is delivered, maybe it's not as helpful as it could be. In other words, if you can get a person to look at details and think about it and of their own volition come up with the idea or the change of mind that, hey, man, something here isn't right, then in my view or in our view in this case, You've really helped an individual more than just making blanket statements that this is fake or this is false or this is untrue. After all, a person has to get to a point where they can assess details of what they're being shown and make a call, hopefully correctly, of whether a thing is worth accepting or not. With that in mind, for this one episode, we're going to acquiesce to requests and take on the idea that a... Sports car was launched into space. And also the recent idea that's come to light, I don't actually know how old the idea is, is that it's not even possible for a full-size jet airplane to hold the quantities of fuels we're being told they they hold. Um, we'll go at these. Again, it is a very kind of basic adult conversation. The kind of conversation that should never be censored because on the face of it it is just that. Anyhow, let's jump in with Jason. And again, the second hour is very, very interesting. So there it is, man. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. This is Episode 95. Jason Lindgren's with me. We're going to talk about a few things here. And bear in mind, we still have a number of subscriber-submitted questions, uh, which we will address uh, probably mostly in the second hour. depends where we get in the first hour here. Um, We're going to look at the SpaceX launch, uh, where they're now launching sports cars into space of all things and we're also going to look at a meme that got pretty popular over the last couple weeks about the idea that jets don't need jet fuel um, to fly interesting idea Um, but anyhow welcome jason good morning from finally warming up baton rouge Yeah, we're getting pretty mild here, too. As a matter of fact, I think we're 50s, maybe even a couple 60s days coming up. But you know how it is here, man. We could pass the equinox and still get snow. Anyhow, a couple things to mention. I will be doing a reoccurring spot on Truth Frequency Radio with Billy Ray Valentine, probably only two or three times a month, maybe twice a month. Almost always Sunday nights. I think it is always Sunday nights, and I do the initial intro with him uh, just to catch people up where I'm at Also, I need to give, once again, a shout-out to a YouTube channel to promote the work that they're doing. The YouTube channel is Rob, R-O-B, second name or second word, S-E-S-S, Rob S Channel. This is a living man standing up for the rights of living men and women. Uh, Go over, subscribe, show the man that you appreciate what he's doing. Um, It takes guts to do what he's doing, and he ain't backing down. Anyhow, Jason, do you have anything?
1: Well, the interesting thing about Rob S. is, from what I've seen, not only is he standing up for what's right, he's having some success as well. He's implementing the fight back against the straw man identity.
0: Right. He's basically showing uh, that corporations have gone rampant here. Local police stations and other things have, uh, what's it called, a DUNS number? Do I have that right? I hope I have it at night, right, which proves that they are in a, cor- a corporation, which means they're shareholders and everything else. Um, but that's not really what this is wholly about. Uh, it's basically about the rights of human beings. And apparently, there is a huge. Taking away of children going on in his part of the world by, I'm not even sure what they call the service there. Here it would be something like social workers in the United States, but he's standing up against it and he's got every leg to stand on. So everyone who cares about the rights of living human beings should go over there and sub them and let them know you're watching. Not only that, recently, kangaroo courts took down videos from YouTube, uh, and there was no reason for it. And and not only that, well, I'll I'll set all that aside. So, you know, it's great to have people sub him and get ready to mirror the work that he's doing because you never know where this goes in the age of censorship, where they basically just censor anything. I mean, look at me. I was accused of hate speech. I don't engage in hate speech and bullying uh nonsense i don't do those things in my life um and those were the reasons you used to take me out but anyhow do you have anything else jason nope let's rock and roll all right man <laughs> i couldn't couldn't state that better let's rock and roll let's take a <laughs> let's take a ride on heavy metal let's jump in i mean come on sports cars in space it's all you on tuesday
1: february 6th 2018 spacex launched its falcon heavy rocket touted as the most powerful rocket currently in the world by a factor of two. The claim is that it can lift approximately 141,000 pounds, which is more than a fully loaded 737 jet, to put it into perspective for you. The Falcon Heavy is composed of three Falcon 9 engine cores, whose 27 Merlin engines together generate more than 5 million pounds of thrust at liftoff, which is said to be approximately equal to 18 747 jets. The Saturn V is said to be the only rocket to have been able to deliver more payload to orbit. The Saturn V, of course, has not flown since 1973. The big difference with the modern machine is that its two boosters land themselves and are reusable. SpaceX is touting the Falcon Heavy as the rocket that can return man to space, going to the moon and Mars.
0: All right, I'll make a prediction here, Jason. We are never going to the moon. We are never going to Mars, and we are never going to space. That's where I'm coming from here. Whoa, 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 Crow. Do you know how good the CGI is these days? Yeah, you know, maybe I should backpedal that. Um, We did go to space with the movie Gravity, didn't we? We sat there right in the theater and went to space. But, you know, words have meaning here. You know, Merlin rocket, you know what? So we're going to engage in magic here. But let's just play the date game real quick it was blasted off on Feb 6, 2018. Uh, If you take the initial, anytime you take the date 2018, it's always going to resolve out to nine 11. But if you play the inverted six game, like was done in the movie back to the future to encode nine 11, uh, you basically have nine 11 coded in this date. If you choose to accept the inverted six idea as being an inverted nine, which was shown flat out in in the movie back to the future when he shows up at the twin pines place. But, uh, um, I'll do I'll do a little jump forward here before we get into the parallels with the movie Heavy Metal. For so many who watched this happen, as soon as they saw the sports car in space they immediately hearkened to their minds back to 1981, the animated film Heavy Metal. Um, the release date for that is cited for the United States, uh, the 29th of July, 1981. Interestingly enough, if you take the decade marker, um, the supposed launch was on the 18th, so 81 would be an inversion or 18 would be an inversion of the decade marker for the release of this film, which we have seen done before. And of course, the interesting thing here is I've shown, there's 9-11 in the first date of the actual... Supposed event. The release date here is 29. 2 and 9, 92 or 29 always can encode 9 11, but it's also in July, which is a 7. So if you work out 29 to 11, 7 and 11 also code 911. So it's six ways to Sunday here. And I would further point out that anytime you see an 18 and there is shenanigans going on quite often, the 18 is standing for triple six using the old occult idea that the numbers that are used to make up a number have a direct relation, correlation, affinity, and whatever else you might say about that. Anyhow, Jason, there's that big old mouthful. Yep. So there are multiple problems noted by many
1: others about the whole car video, and the first one is how quickly the doors of the capsule that enclosed the car just disappeared when it's first released. It was just a big old flash, and all of a sudden the car was there. Now, if indeed this thing is in space and pushing forward, I don't necessarily have a problem with that concept. Explosive bolts would have went off, and they would have flown behind it because the rocket was being propelled forward. That's the way I took it, but what's your take on that, Crow?
0: Well the whole the whole thing is nonsense to me nothing goes to space Um, and so we're looking at sleight of hand here in my view and anyone is welcome to have a different point of view it's the world we live in you have that right uh, I've taken a careful look at this, and all my years behind a telescope tell me that there's a hard, fast boundary. It's almost like human beings are tuned to this environment, and you don't leave here. That's all there is to it. But if we bring a little bit of common sense to well, before I bring a little bit of common sense to this, let's think about what we were told by Mr. Elon Musk. You know, He basically sat there in some way, shape, or form uh, on camera telling us that the reason we knew it was real because it looked so fake – And I would ask, have we reached that era where that's really how we know things are real? So when things look fake, we know they're real because that's what Mr. Musk was telling us. Um, But let's just take uh, one basic nonsensical factually stated thing. If you go on Google right now and look up the temperature of space, you'll be told it's in the neighborhood of negative 270 Celsius or the negative 454 Fahrenheit. Negative 454 Fahrenheit. That is damn cold. And I would point out uh, everything on that car would instantly freeze. And let's take a little more common sense. How many people have ever seen a vehicle that sat around for decades where the tires have dried out and they become cracky? Well, what that tells you is that there's, in fact, moisture in that rubber. Um, So a new tire would have some degree of moisture, as would anywhere in that car that just came from a place where there's any humidity at all. The seat covers, everything would have some degree of moisture. At negative 454 degrees, it would all freeze instantly. And I'm just logically working out as a presumption on my part that if a tire froze instantly at 454 negative 454 degrees Fahrenheit, um, those tires would freeze instantly and they're under pressure and we're being told there's a a vacuum. So what would happen there? Um, I don't know, Jason. It seems like any any way that you go at this with common sense, all you find is problems.
1: Yeah, well, of course, the first thing I thought when I saw it was, oh, look, it's heavy metal. (laughs) Elon's, I think, slightly older than me. So that movie definitely would have been on his mind, I would think. But it seems more like predictive programming being used to the other side's advantage as usual, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, even even the correspondence, heavy lift, heavy metal, um, what are the odds? Um, and I'll, I'll say a little bit more. You're about to introduce the movie, so I'll say a little bit more in a minute. Um, I'll just let you go ahead and point out the movie. And I would point out to anyone listening, um, if you want to go back and go through the movie, of course, the opening scene where the Corvette is released in space, um, there's plenty there. But I would be willing to bet that there are other tells within the movie that, sneakily relate to this event coming all the way back from 1981. So as everyone's familiar, uh, the animated rock and roll driven film uh, Heavy Metal in 1981 The opening scene has where they take a Corvette and it's flying in space. It's released out, I think, the space shuttle. Um, I went into both the live feed news release showing Elon Musk's car and into the heavy metal. And there are exact one-to-one matches in the news that we saw around the Elon Musk vehicle. Uh, there's one looking down the hood at the Spaceman, and there's a couple side shots. The side shots are tilted a little more than in the animated feature, but you can get exact one-to-one matches if you tilt the extremely tilted car in the news releases back down uh, the other way. It's, it's a one-to-one match. And, you know, these things are beyond the pale in my view, Jason.
1: You know, the one thing that keeps popping my head regarding everything to do with space, is rocket science the only thing that can get you really high up in the air? especially in the 21st century, is there really no sort of electromagnetic propulsion systems that can be developed that could do this job better without controlled explosions?
0: Well, you know, that's a whole other thing that we'll probably start to address at the end of this hour when we talk about the idea of whether or not uh, jet engines need jet fuel at altitude. And this harkens back to what people would call Tesla tech and other things. The idea that there is available energy the higher up you go in the atmosphere. But we'll get there. Maybe we should pin it down to this until we get forward.
1: So one of the other things people have pointed out is that the video of the live stream from the day of the launch was changed from one day to the next, uh, as if to obscure what may have been there. And I haven't gone through every bit of footage, but the bottom line is no one is allowed to do this on YouTube. No one, no one, no one. You cannot edit it. You can pull videos down. You can add new videos, but you can't change something that's already been put up and keep the same views and all that sort of thing. So... A couple of channels uh, out there on YouTube have definitely attacked SpaceX for that one that they've been given some sort of special pass on this. And I don't know what exactly was changed other than some uh, little bits with the viewing windows that they were showing. But perhaps you caught more than I did grow.
0: Yeah, on my forum on CrowTriple7Radio.com, people are putting uh, side-by-side shots to show that, in fact, the live feed was edited. There's no argument there. And this is a huge tell. As Jason pointed out, none of us can do it. Um, so why are they doing it? Not only why are they doing it, why are they doing it to such a supposed claimed historic event? Um, it, it has shenanigans written all over it. We see the rules bent uh, over and over and over. But anyone who wants to go out on YouTube and do a search can almost... Certainly, find other people who have done the side by side. If you're a member over at Crow Triple Seven Radio, there's at least two threads going uh, on this topic where people have run. In I think in the longer of the two threads, uh, side by sides, frame by frames, even cut down versions to show exactly uh, where the changes were inserted. Even things like in one the audience being there, and then in the changed live feed the audience having been pulled. But this goes on and on, and you know this is a huge tell. Why? you're you're covering a historic event in a live feed live insinuates that you're going to capture what happens now and that's how it's going to be presented out and it's beyond the pale when some one particular entity is allowed to edit a live feed and the rest of us aren't Uh, that's a huge tell jason
1: well all i can say about that is it's direct correlation that elon musk is an insider of some
0: sort well, there's there's no getting away from it. I, d- I don't think um, there's there's plenty of people out there now who are taking the video frame by frame and and looking at things. But you know, this is an obvious thing on the face of it. And anyone who wants to look at things carefully, uh, how do you explain that away? There is no explaining that away, in my view. It is what it is, and it's not deniable. The video now exists where people took the within 24 hours what was being presented as a live feed and captured the original live feed and showed. It was changed, so there it is.
1: The one thing I noticed was that the quality seemed to be better on the on the new version. They like tweaked the resolution a little bit.
0: Yeah. To step back a little bit, I wanted when we introduced the the heavy metal movie, I meant to get into it a little bit more. As far as I can tell, I don't know if you'd agree with me. The whole tenor of that movie is that there's like an ancient evil that still exists, and it's represented by that green orb called the Lochnar. Would you agree with that as maybe the main thrust of this movie?
1: Yeah, it's a bunch of short stories tied together with the concept that the sentient orb, which has a darkness to it, is uh, affecting things throughout human history and even onto other planets.
0: Just to put it in a little bit better context, this movie was drawn from like a Mad Magazine type publication called Heavy Metal. Um, It was very popular in the stoner community back in the days. I mean, so many people in kind of the subculture had Heavy Metal Magazine, and that's where this was drawn from. As a matter of fact, I think one or two of the stories actually showed up in an earlier edition, if I'm not mistaken. But the whole tenor of the movie does appear to be that there's an ancient evil. And I just want to go back on this idea for a second to invite people to go back and go through the movie and see if you can find the references. I'm almost certain there must be references there, but I just wanted to back up for a second, Jason.
1: Yeah. And as far as I know, the initial story after the intro in Heavy Metal, the taxi cab driver of Harry Canyon was what was used as a basis for the fifth element as well.
0: Well, there's certainly strong correlations there. It has a similar look and feel, even the cab itself. Um, And I would further point out when I was looking up on IMDb just to get the release dates to look where it was released all over the world and what those dates might have been. It's pointed out that apparently there was some copyright dispute and that there's an intro and a song or something like that that was not included in the main release, if I have that right. Also, there was apparently a problem uh, with copywriting. I think it was the music that did not allow this to go to CD or compact disc until the late 90s, which is quite a ways away from the initial screening date in the United States of, ni- of uh, July of 1981. So that would bear some scrutiny, too, I think.
1: So next inconsistency that people have pointed out is that there are accusations that the two videos showing the boosters on each side it's actually an identical video just with different cropping and set off by a frame or so so that you are given the impression that it's two different incidents but in fact it's just one video being used put on repeat
0: yeah so i've had such a problem with these landings some of the early ones they showed us just looked like video being run backwards and there were a number of us who just grabbed it and did you know ran it forwards ran it backwards for life of me, it looked like they ran the video backwards, but this is an easy thing for people to go out and prove. Uh, when those supposed boosters come down to land, if anyone grabs them, it's not a lot of work to put them side by side and see if it's the exact same flame pattern, all these things. But another thing bothers me all the time whenever they show this is occasionally they'll show you like what's supposed to be just average citizens standing on a building somewhere filming it. And they're using fisheye lenses and stuff. And when the initial launch happens, and this happens over and over and over, and I don't know why people, you know, accept it, is you'll see this rocket go up, you'll see the parabolic arc, and then they cut. They always cut after you start to see the parabolic arc. Um, the game's not over. You're looking at the supposed amazing thing. This thing's supposed to leave our atmosphere. You know, why aren't people sitting there with like an 8-inch scope and stuff? And you wouldn't even need an 8-inch scope. You could have good enough telephotos to get quite a view for quite a long time. But all the time, you see the same thing over and over. Someone shooting with a fish eye. Why? Why, I would ask, do you want to shoot with a fisheye? It just makes a mess out of the video, and everybody knows it. Uh, it's the same with the high-altitude footage we get. Always oh, shot with a fisheye, but, you know, that problem of every time the parabolic arc is going on, people just cut away like the event's over. And then again, in this, in the case of this instance, uh, we have these huge sonic booms that are brought to bear. Well, we can go look at plenty of uh, of rocket launches where there's no sonic boom at all, but anyhow, that's where I'm coming from.
1: So no one yet that I know of has had a P900 and watched an entire launch go all the way up with that lovely 83 times zoom on the rocket ship.
0: Well, it's funny too because some of the people they were showing on the uh, on I don't know it was a rooftop or something that were just supposed to be average Joes, I guess, shooting this. They had some pretty damn impressive telephoto lenses. And I would suggest that you could film way beyond where they're cutting and not showing after the parabolic arc happens and the supposed boosters fly away. Keep filming, guys, uh, because in my view, what you're gonna film, if anyone is in a position to do it, is you're gonna see the thing go back down and land in the ocean or head towards the ocean as far as you can see it. Um, I, I would, you know, I'm not much of a betting man, but I would take that bet any day of the week. Next
1: inconsistency that multiple people point out The clouds around the Earth, in the video of the Starman, seem to be the same over multiple orbits.
0: Yeah, this this is another thing, not hard to prove. Uh, It was done so extensively on the Apollo 16 uh, blue marble image and Apollo 17, uh, even to the point where they were showing that cloud patterns were cloned over and over and over, even all the way up into the 2002 blue marble image, which was a supposed image of Earth from space. Um, I would point out that it would not take a lot of work for people to show whether or not this is true. One thing that always strikes me when we're supposedly being shown the Earth from space is the lack of land masses. That's not all. Um, wherever the the world is darked out, we should see city lights. We should see the cloud movings. So there's all kinds of tells that let you know that this is not what we should expect to see.
1: And another thing I noticed uh, that one lady pointed out in a video is that there's a strange long black object on the surface of the Earth through multiple orbit passes in an area near australia kind of out in the ocean and man for the life of me i could not figure out what this thing was but if it was man-made it would be
0: massive Well, I guess if it's not green, we can rule out that it's the Loch Nore, right? Um, (laughs) I haven't seen that yet, Jason, but I'd like to go back and see it. But here's an interesting thing. Um, You know, as I've said so often as we've done these episodes, Jason, a human being can't make a false thing true. They just can't do it. They can lie about a thing. They can make it seem to be something it's not. But in fact, they cannot make a false thing true. And I went to one of the news channels, uh, the big mainstream news channels that are still running the, uh, the live feed of this event, and I watched the chat room go off to the side uh, on YouTube, and I would estimate – Way more than 50% of the comments I saw coming in uh, were calling this event into question. And and I would point that that alone is a tell. When you have that many people that are not accepting it, that should tell you something crucial about the event itself. Uh, Most of the times in this world when something actually happens that is real, you don't get endless people questioning what's going on here. But there's that. This next one is the one that really jumped out at me,
1: and multiple people tore this apart. In certain images at certain times, the Earth, and just the Earth and not the car, seems to glitch out multiple times in a
0: row. I didn't notice this one, Juice, and I saw you add it to the bullet points, but I think I'm going to go back and look at this one because that's another one that would be fairly easy if it's there to show in a video clip. But, you know, the times now, uh, I suppose we could run what we find on YouTube, but we're playing Russian roulette with these guys, aren't we?
1: Well, the edges of the earth pixelated, and it kind of jumped. Like, it looked like it shot over to the left a little bit a couple of times, Like, and the car was just there. So the immediate indication is that the car is stationary, and they're just putting a uh, moving image behind it.
0: Well, do you remember back when George Bush the senior was brought into some NASA facility in a wheelchair and as they were wheeling him through the place, there was a guy in front of a blue screen in the background and he was, I forget what it was, a tennis ball or something that was being made to look like it was in zero G. Then someone went and dug up the same, very same person in a supposed International Space Station shot. At what point do people quit accepting the things that have no basis in reality? And when you see things like this. It's undismissible. There's the same guy claimed to be an astronaut in front of a blue screen holding in 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 an office building, you know, on the face of this world, this thing that looks like it's in zero's g going around his hand. I mean, we've seen these things over and over and over. And Another thing, Jason is not too, too long ago, they were blasting things off and making a big deal out of how they had to make sure they were sterile. There couldn't be any germs on these things. Um, and so now we just blast whole cars. And it's a, actually, a, it's apparently Elon Musk's personal car. So how do you sterilize a whole car, I would ask. But besides that, I would say about two months ago, a friend of mine sent a very official created clip. Oh, shoot, I forgot the title of it. But It talks expressly about there's going to come a time in the near future when we won't be able to shoot things into space anymore. And the reason cited in this very official and well-put-together clip is that there is so much radioactive space junk. I'm not even kidding you, Jason. And they go on from everything from particles of paint to all the junk and trash that has been accumulated in our supposed orbit from all these decades of supposed space operations And uh, they are literally pushing towards the idea where, you know, not far from now, we're not even going to be able to have things in space. And I would point to the movie Gravity. That's basically the whole idea behind the movie Gravity, isn't it? You know, all this crap in space comes and hits space stations and takes them out. So this whole idea seems to be building some steam. And I almost wonder if we're coming to a critical mass where so many people are not accepting these kind of stories they're putting out, uh, that this is the way it's going to go. Guess what, guys? We can't go to space anymore because there's too much junk up there. I don't know, man. What do you think?
1: Well, let's look at it from two different points of view. One, we're going and there's all this stuff up there. Of course, if we have truly, as humanity, been going to space since the nineteen late 1950s, early 1960s, then yeah, I guess there would be a ton of crap. But my problem with that has always been, isn't space really, really, really big, as Douglas Adams likes to say? And how many different orbits can you put things in? Like, is it really a problem? I, I find it hard to believe, even if we are going. The other side of that is if we're not going and they want some excuses as on how they can limit things, there's their excuse.
0: Well, I mean, come on. I was in the military, and when you're in an organization like the military, which you would assume space endeavors must be something like that. They ended up with a lot of military people in them early on. There's rules. And when you're in the military, you don't break the damn rules willy-nilly. And so on the one hand, you're being told we can't send things that are contaminated with all these Earth things on it, and they're blasting cars up. On the other hand, we're told there's so much junk out there, and now we're throwing away whole cars into space. And this sets aside so many of the common-sense arguments people have put forward, like really, if you were going to be locked in a space station, wouldn't there be standards for haircuts like there are in the military? for women and men, Um, and yet over and over we see these people with these huge big old heads of hair just apparently scattering hair all over the space station. Um, These things go on and on and on, and I would maintain that if, in fact, there was a space station mission of some sort. It would be bound by rules that would resemble what the military does and you wouldn't just willy-nilly break them. How We just throw away whole cars into space when we're complaining about the amount of space junk and apparently all the microbes or whatever they want to claim is the problem are all over that vehicle and that sets aside What whether they drain the gas and the oil and everything out of it and, and of course that sets aside what would happen if you just threw a car into negative 454 Fahrenheit degree temperatures. Um, I would suggest that a lot would happen
1: and that's the next bullet point that a lot of people are pointing out there have been discussions on the physics of what would actually happen to just an ordinary car if it were indeed floating around in outer space such as the air pressure in the tires being drastically affected because of the vacuum sunlight hitting directly on the various materials of the car but it's not seeming to have any effect on it or as you stated earlier Any kind of moisture or water anywhere would definitely be seen having some sort of
0: effect. Well, it would flash freeze, wouldn't it? I mean, I can point out, you know, I grew up in San Diego where it's pretty much warm all the time. Uh, One of the things you notice when you come to a place like this is like when you're coming up to those first really cold days, the first thing that happens is your tires need more air in them. And that's just going from, you know, maybe 50 degree weather. And then all of a sudden it drops into the 20s one night or something like that. And you wake up, it's a lot colder than it was. And guess what? Your, Your tires need air. Well, that's, you know, we're not even talking about anywhere. in the neighborhood of negative 454 degrees. But come on, the humidity in all the fabrics, if there was leather, any of it, there's going to be an amount of of water and humidity associated with these things. And it would flash freeze at those temperatures, I would suggest.
1: Now, here's something I noticed. And I don't know if you've picked up on this because you don't watch as much media. And I don't even watch that much media. But I remember it being a big deal in movies and things like that. That if a human being was exposed to the vacuum space, the pressure difference would make them explode or something to that effect, right? Right. Nowadays, and the earliest I noticed this coming out was in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where all of a sudden people are just freezing when they're thrown out into space.
0: Yeah, and also the imagery in a movie like that is being made to look like they're underwater. Guardians of the Galaxy has an image where someone is out in space without any kind of a spacesuit. And while it is made to look like they're starting to freeze, uh, it looks like they're underwater. But another thing that I forgot to mention earlier is look at the similarities, how close – the supposed uh, space dummy in the sports car. His spacesuit looks to the movie Heavy Metal. That's another thing people can compare. Um, all the infinite ways a spacesuit could look like, and apparently the artists in 1981 knew just exactly how to draw what would be relevant in uh, 2018.
1: Yeah, there are definitely very uh, similar stylings, I guess you'd say. And when uh, Elon was asked about that, actually, not about the comparisons to heavy metal, but just what the spacesuit was, he made a big deal about the fact that that was the current model spacesuit that they've designed after a whole lot of R&D and all that And this streamlined, beautiful design was the real production model.
0: Well, another thing going forward, which we always cite whenever one of these events is passed off in the media, is that there were clearly cameras in the car, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at the live feed. Uh, Mostly what people posted on my site is we should have video for quite some time to come uh, beyond seemingly what we've seen. Didn't, Didn't seem like they showed that much video, considering that there's now supposedly a vehicle in orbit or wherever it is with cameras in it. My point would be is you've got cameras in the car. Um, there should be all kinds of interesting footage. And not only that, when when are we going to see the footage when the Earth's not in the background? And there's actually some of the things we're being told that are in space are there, like a planet, the moon, you know, a star, something. Um, one of these times we should probably see that, right?
1: Yeah. And I watched some of the live feed and it looked like you can kind of see stars occasionally but the same thing that always happens when you see footage no one ever points a camera out the window and adjusts the lens obviously there's nobody up there with the car but i'm talking about the space shuttle or the international space station no one ever just points a camera out the window and adjusts it so that you can see the glorious majesty of what would be out there if you were in indeed in space without the atmosphere impeding you come on that they, they show that they have Uh, Really decent DSLRs on the, the space station, supposedly. So let's freaking see it. I mean, I'd be taking pictures all day long if I could do that.
0: Well, it's the same problems over and over and over. Uh, whenever a darkened portion of the world comes around, you'd see city lights. We've actually seen mocked up views or high altitude views, and it shows how prominent the city lights would be. But, you know, there's so many different full supposed globe shots behind that vehicle. And we'll point out again that a few years ago, the idea of being pushed out to the public was there was somewhere between 15,000 and 30,000 satellites out there. And that apparently wasn't even including Uh, the broken down ones, which was a lot more. That has now been walked back. So if you do a Google search for how many satellites are out there to 2,000 some, not even kidding you, I've got videos up that prove that when I was doing the research then that they were talking about at least 20 Fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 satellites out there. That was current three, maybe four years ago. So now I'm going to ask again. um, These things all are made out of shiny materials, we are told, and have solar panels and other things. Where are, I guess, the now only 2,500 satellites? Where are they in any of these images? Um, These are problems that never go away, Jason.
1: Yeah, I've
0: definitely seen some things on
1: that. Uh, Next bullet point on inconsistencies are little objects that look like particles. Uh, Some people are saying they look like bubbles, but they're always behind the car and they seem like they're only going up. Now that could be because of the direction the car is supposed to be moving in, but multiple people pointed this out.
0: I haven't seen that, but it does sound a little bit like, what was it? I think it was supposedly the Chinese astronauts got caught passing off footage shot in a very clear pool uh, with an ISS mock-up. So there. Here we are again uh, with evidence in hand where we were told these are Chinese astronauts in space and it was shown outright that they were filming them in a pool. These problems don't go away. The problem really is, is that there are so many people who aren't exposed to what is learned. And that has a lot to do with information control, I would suggest. If I could snap my fingers right now and have three quarters of all the people in this world um, view the video where the Chinese astronauts are caught flat out passing off bubbles coming out of their spacesuits because it was shot in a pool, uh, having just told the world that they were in space, what would that due to the perception of all the people who are now being shown that we just basically throw cars out into space
1: well there's that and i've watched every piece of footage i could find with the whole vr on the space station thing there's no doubt whatsoever that minimally certain shots we are shown are being faked and what it seems to be is they're on a set a green screen set or blue screen with the grid patterns behind it as we saw in the george bush video And there's glitches occasionally because it looks like they're doing stuff in live time so that the astronauts can interact with objects. And there was one I saw that was so blatant, it looked like the person saw an object and reacted to it, but it didn't translate to the video layer being shown to us. So he reacted to it in his visuals, but we didn't see the object that he grabbed in midair moved over and put it on a shelf and it's things like that and you see glitching things that are impossible like things going through people's fingers like you see all these little things that just make no sense whatsoever unless you really realize that it's a video layer it's cgi
0: there's another tell i can add about what's happened on my channel uh which has happened exactly in time with the uh space car launch. But uh, I'll back up a little. What this comes down to is a lack of curiosity on the part of so many people that just simply want to believe what they're told, what their television tells them. There is even footage of an astronaut uh, supposedly on the International Space Station live on a live camera feed telling someone, oh, yeah, um, that's just a few miles from where we are now, actually blowing it that badly on a live feed. Anyone can look these things up. But here's another tell in my view so the day that the supposed car went up into space all of a sudden these old clips i had from eyewitnesses who provided some pretty poor quality video nonetheless eyewitnesses saying we watched these launches happen and they're not going to space those clips came under heavy heavy attack on youtube and matter of fact one morning i spent something like 15 minutes going through all these just kind of foul foul accusatory video uh Comments on these particular videos. It is a one to one match. Here's these clips that I've had up for a couple years now, anyhow, that don't get much attention occasionally, and now. Probably for a week solid, uh, it's been nothing but front news uh, from the comments section on my YouTube channel. But here's another thing. Someone went in there and commented, look, these are all sock puppet AI channels. And so I started clicking on them and looking. And sure enough, there is no avatar. There is no activity on the channel. And these came in by the hundreds. And this was in conjunction with the supposed launching of a vehicle into space. So there's, there's some more to tell you that they go out and they police anyone who's questioning the mainstream narrative apparently
1: well there's no doubt that there's some kind of shenanigans going on on things like youtube because these attacks going on from nothing channels they're just at minimum it's some kind of automated system that's just saying stuff to say stuff if not more you know
0: Yeah, another thing you'll notice is the specificity in these comments. Um, In my view, a lot of them are AI. Um, I think we're looking at the onset of AI, but they came by the hundreds recently. And uh, why? You know, I've had these clips up for, I don't know, A year or two, something like that. And they very occasionally get commented on. Um, I think it's a huge tell, Jason. I think it's a huge tell. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with conversations like this. You know, in the past, we used to come out and we used to just say fake, fake, fakeity fake because that's what we know is correct. But now we've kind of shifted gears to have just kind of a no-nonsense conversation and point out all the problems and hope that people will take it upon themselves to take a closer look at some of the things we're pointing out. Uh, We're not really asking anyone to believe what we're saying. We're asking people to check out. Look carefully at things we're pointing out here. It'll be interesting to see with the number of videos that are getting made around this, how they're dealt with, because that will be a tell, too. If they're simply allowed to run, um, then that tells us something. And if then there's all this copyright removing video, you know, kind of censorship nonsense going on, that tells us something, too. Absolutely.
1: Next one is that people have done comparisons with the car in space and the car on the ground in a photo shoot with Elon Musk. And that the car in space looks radically different when people start doing what they always do with space photos. They start jacking the different levels and seeing how things react. What do you think about that one? Because I'm not all that much into Photoshop and all that, but I know you are.
0: It's a good way to find little things that are not obvious on the face of things. Simply, as you pointed out, jacking up levels on any given image you're handed can quite often, many times, show you things that people weren't aware was in the image. I haven't done this with these images, um, but as time goes on, I'll occasionally look at what's posted in the forums over at Crow Triple Seven Radio, and I'll watch what people are doing. And this is the kind of thing that gets done eventually all the time, and quite often it's very telling. Um, Usually what we're familiar with from some of the space images we get is provable editing, where The whole thing is just a construct. But it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this, particularly since it's all mostly lifted from video frames, although I would point out there were a number of stills released out to uh, news agencies. So the stills are always very telling.
1: Right. The thing you got to watch out for video is compression layers, because things will get compressed going out. They'll get compressed going to YouTube. If you rip it, it's going to be compressed again. So you do have to watch out for that because that's going to produce artifacts all of its own. So you have to learn the difference between what is what.
0: Right. I think most times when you're using a simple method like Levels, it's pretty indicative. You know, you can anyone who's really not even that familiar with editing tools can understand uh, once it's explained out that there's been some huge manipulation. So we'll just have to wait and see what comes.
1: OK, the next one is that the Earth looks nicer in the shots from the ISS than from the camera angles from the car. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I didn't even ask earlier, Jason, did you notice anywhere, supposedly, I mean, is it like a GoPro in the car? Is that what's supposed to be there, I would imagine? I don't know. I was trying to figure out if it was a fisheye
1: lens, but they have it set in a way that uh, as it's spinning around, the Earth sometimes looks a little funny. It's It could be a fisheye lens. It's hard to say.
0: You know what? I might take some time later um, to take some of the imagery apart and do some of the things I've done in the past um, to show the nonsensical nature of what's being put forward. But if I do that, I'm only going to post it on the forum uh, of CrowTriple7Radio.com because I'm not really up to playing the game with YouTube anymore where you accumulate strikes and they threaten to take you down and then all the shills and trolls come in with their foul comments. So I may do it, but if I do, I'll post it there for people to check out. I do have to wonder sometimes if only
1: fisheye lenses can survive in space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fisheye lenses are the bane of modern photography. For anyone out there who ever wants to shoot video that matters, don't use a damn fisheye lens. It's all there is to it. Manufacturers need to quit making them. Um, you know, we're, we're advanced enough that we can get some decent images. The idea is that with a fisheye, you can see much more of the horizon. But the truth is, is that it warps the image. And I think that's why we see them used so heavily in cases like this.
1: Uh, Someone pointed out later on that there is what appears to be condensation on the windshield of the car.
0: Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they just whipped a vehicle out into negative 454 Fahrenheit degree weather uh, in a vacuum. So, you know, condensation on the windshield. My thing would be, no, there would be condensation everywhere. If there was one iota of humidity in the environment that car came from, uh, I think it would be instantly flash-frozen, and I think it's a huge tell. I think if something like this really was to occur and space really was as it is described and these temperatures are accurate, what you would see is the entire surface of everything would flash-freeze very quickly. I suspect that's what would really happen if something like this were truly done and the descriptions of everything were correct. But as most people listening know, I don't think any of the descriptions of space are correct, and I sure as hell don't accept that anything leaves our low-Earth orbit or what is called our atmosphere. But anyhow, man, that's, that's where I'm coming from.
1: Conversely, I wonder what the temperatures would be with direct sunlight on metal or plastic and that sort of thing on something like a car that's not protected at all.
0: Well, it's funny you should mention that because when I did the lookup, it went from so many Kelvin, you know, it can fluctuate from hot as hell or hotter than hell um, to colder than hell. (laughs) So, yeah, either way, either way, you want to dice it. So I guess you could make the argument, yeah, if it was in direct sunlight in a vacuum, uh, why don't we see the paint start to burn off or something? Um, I forgot what the numbers were on the high side, but they were astonishing. You know, they're painting this picture of space as one brutal place. Uh, It can be hot than you can imagine, measured in Kelvin one moment, and then measured, you know, 400 some degrees below zero in Fahrenheit. These are brutal, brutal temperatures. And anyone who has common sense will understand, you know, have you ever taken a car to the desert uh, where maybe it's 115 uh, and look at what happens? Uh, A bunch of noticeable things happen. And when you look at that car from a distance, you can actually see um, the kind of heat waves coming off it. And then inversely, uh, if you could even imagine taking something 400 degrees below zero, uh, what what you would expect to see. I go out in the mornings here and my car's, you know, below freezing, you know, maybe 30 or 20 some degrees. And there's a sheen of frozen over the whole car. But anyhow, Jason.
1: Yeah, well, I, I can tell you that coming from Pennsylvania, where I grew up, The cold does nasty things to a car every winter that it gets exposed to it. It can chip the paint. It's just
0: not good. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, man, do we have anything that's really significant to add to this kind of SpaceX thing? I think we both kind of agree that this is just more nonsensical media put out in the face of people and that if people will just simply go with no nonsense mind and challenge it, they'll come to that conclusion, probably. Um, Is there anything significant we can add or can we just jump forward and start talking about the airplane idea that came forth so prominently?
1: Well, there's a little bit left here I wouldn't mind pointing out. One of the things that uh, a lot of folks notice is that Elon Musk seemed really chill at the press conference that he gave in spite of the great achievement he supposedly just pulled off.
0: Right. And actually, I'm looking forward. Go ahead. Push into your next one. I forgot about this. Yeah, we should cover this.
1: Yeah, this is from an article I found online. The tech billionaire Elon Musk sent one of his Tesla electric cars into space yesterday, a day before the company that built it announced its biggest ever quarterly loss. Musk's Tesla Electric Car and Energy Storage Company lost $675.4 million in the three months ending December 31st. The company announced on Thursday, compared with a loss of $121 million for the same period the previous year. The company has been spending heavily as it rolls out the next generation of electric cars, the Model 3 sedan, a semi-truck, and other products. The company has struggled to keep up with its production targets for the Model 3, but said it would probably build about 2,500 Model 3s per week by the end of the first quarter, and that it plans to reach its goal of 5,000 vehicles per week by the end of the second quarter. So, my question is this. Is this whole SpaceX Tesla Roadster launch a great big advertisement for a company (laughs) that is hemorrhaging money in the hundreds of millions of dollars?
0: Yeah, I mean, come on, you got to ask, don't you? But I would also ask. So if you take these numbers, you're looking at roughly what $800 million it's lost in the last two years. How does a company stay in business that's losing um, $800 million in two years? I mean, that's pushing a billion dollars in losses uh, before too long. But I, I've got to agree with you. How do you not ask this question, knowing the numbers you just cited? I mean, come on, Jason.
1: Well, from what I understand, if a company's losing that kind of money, they generally say that that company is not successful and shouldn't be pushing forward. But I'm assuming that Elon Musk wants this company to survive. And I personally don't have a problem with the concept of pushing for electric cars, believe me. But if it's doing that badly, obviously something needs to be tweaked, right?
0: Right. But I mean, even the idea of electric cars, it it almost seems like they're kicking the ball down the road to get our eyes off the fact that we should have been off gasoline so long ago, it's not even funny. But even when you get to electric cars, how is most of that electricity being generated? You know, the idea here is, oh, it's electric, it's not polluting. So, yeah, it's not polluting out the tailpipe like a combustion engine. But the point is, is how is most of that electricity being made? Well, wherever your municipality is, however that municipality is making the electricity or charging the car is the new pollution that is being made. And it just seems like it's all designed to keep the eye off the fact that we should be so far beyond this now. And we'll talk maybe a little bit as we get into the airplane idea that, all the people that attribute technology to Tesla. I don't really accept the story of Tesla as we're handed it, but the idea has been iterated in other places that the further up you get into the atmosphere, the more energy that becomes available. And to me, when we look at the level of technology that we have these days, we should be so far from these types of technologies and to to beat that dead horse, uh, you can't run an electric car, charge it in your garage and claim like you're not polluting because the electricity that you're putting Putting in it was made in whatever way your municipality is making engine. And guess what? I would be willing to bet that there is pollution associated with the making of that electricity. But anyhow, there's that spiel. Well,
1: that's absolutely true. I've looked up these things before. What's traditionally called fossil fuels are used heavily in electricity generation, whether that's oil or coal or natural gas or something to that effect. So something has to produce electricity to get it to your house for you to be able to plug your car in.
0: Well, it's no different than your house, right? You turn on a light, it's using the electricity that was made in or around your municipality. And as everybody knows, you know, like where I live here, uh, there's actually plants where you can see the stacks billowing. As a matter of fact, uh, not too, too far from where I'm at, there's like these two big, you know, those kind of, nuclear bubble, concrete bubble-looking things, the cooling tower things. Um, but there's been endless debate on what these things have done to the environment. It's not just the smokestacks. Um, apparently, the environment on the waterway that it's sitting has been damaged immensely. So the idea that we're going to shift to electric cars and all of our you know, pollution – problems are at an end. is just nonsense. It just is. Um, it's no different than the electricity that's being created for your house or any other thing. There's there's pollution and damage to the environment associated with it in one way, shape, or form. And at this point in the game, we have enough technology where why aren't they looking at drawing the energy straight out of the atmosphere as has been described by so many people in the past? Or even the idea of converting mechanical movement into energy. Uh, people have, have expressed this. But there's lots of other ways that people have gone at to show that at this level of sophistication, we should probably have moved away from the dirty tailpipe idea a long time ago.
1: Absolutely. If you're going to switch to electric cars, which of course I'm all for, you also have to deal with the other end of the problem, which is the electricity generation. Now, I would like to think that by now we've got enough alternative energy programs created, such as windmills, hydroelectric, geothermal, solar, that we shouldn't need to have these massively polluting electricity factories. But I don't know enough about this to know if that could cover all of the needs. But no matter what, I think that if we downsized and looked at these things on a more community basis, city to city, perhaps... That could handle the needs for electricity generation, it might be a bigger step towards a solution.
0: I actually know directly about this stuff, Jason. When I was still in the corporate world, I had directly to do with people launching solar uh, divisions of construction companies and even looking at wind. And I can tell you one thing if you have this conversation, we might as well be talking politics or religion because that's what happens on the tail of a conversation like this. In the state of California, where I was at the time, you could see how the deck was rigged. Um, the, The main energy purveyors were geared up so that they would demand a certain percentage came from solar, but then there was all these things built into the system, which would make it unfeasible, one of those things was the very place pushing the electricity was setting the value for the buyback. So in other words, if I was a person who put solar panels on my home, uh, the utility that I was dealing with set the value of the buyback of any you know extra electricity that was made and i'm not going to get into this but i can tell you flat out from firsthand observation actually having launched the business plans for some solar divisions and other things been an integral part of that the whole system is rigged against um, a place like california having solar to any degree which doesn't make sense Um, there's enough desert and other things in california where solar could have been brought to bear a lot more than it has but again anytime you bring up these topics people are going to be so indoctrinated by the news it just starts an argument.
1: And I've wondered that myself. We have so much just empty nothing in places where there's high sunlight, like a desert, especially out in the the western area of the United States. Why are they not just building giant solar farms? I don't know. I'm assuming it's political. Maybe there's a financial thing to it. It is. It is.
0: It's absolutely political. But, you know, even even if you were to accept, okay, the laws all changed today. Now we're going to put up a lot more solar panels. For me, that's not good enough. Our technology has far you know, you can even start to drive into Vegas and look at some of the newer ways they've thought about using power. There's columns that superheat uh, salt and other things. There's these really crazy arrays when you drive into Vegas now um, from the California side uh, of solar, new solar technologies from different countries that have been put in there. My point would be is it's not just that they're stifling um, these renewable energies. It's just the technology isn't really moving forward. And the only place you see it move forward is, you know, the That is an example as you drive into Vegas is these types of things where they're really going to generate some real energy. My point is, is the whole system is rigged against moving away from fossil fuels and the typical way energy has been produced. And it comes down to political power, as far as I can tell. Anyhow, man, we're kind of wandering from the mark here.
1: So the other point we wanted to discuss in this episode was that there's a lot of talk going on about jets not using actual jet fuel to fuel its engines and be able to fly, but it's actually some sort of resonance and or compressed air situation that's truly going on there.
0: We're almost to the top of the hour. And I just wanted to get these ideas out because, you know, I think it's an intriguing idea, but it's like anything else. It takes some time and it takes some effort and it takes some looking into um, before we can have more of a solid idea. And it needs to happen across multiple people and walks of life. You know, there are going to be people out there who understand uh, jet technology better than others. But when I did a cursory look at the numbers, I was thinking, wow, on the face of it, it does look like it's impossible for a jet to be fully loaded with fuel. But anyhow, run through your numbers. Let's put the information out there and maybe people will take an interesting look into it and draw some conclusions that they'll put out publicly. Go ahead, Jason.
1: Right. And when it all comes down to it, the weight of the fuel is what really seems to be the problem. It just seems that it might not really be possible to be carried in the degree that they say it does, especially where they claim a lot of the fuel sits, which is in the wings.
0: Right. So you have some rough numbers. Why don't you just break them out? I know you did some independent calculations here. Um, but this is what I looked at at first. And I thought, wow, then maybe there's something to this. But again, it takes some, you know, you got to dig into these things. And the, the claim being made here is that a jet engine can draw its energy using maybe like a tuning fork idea where little fins in there are resonating and that's being converted to energy. I know there's more to it than that. Um, but that's kind of the idea um, that the wool has been pull over your eyes and that jet airplanes don't require the amount of fuel you've been told. So break down the numbers and we'll let people go at it, Jason.
1: Right. Now, before I get into the numbers, there is something that is an absolute fact, and that is that jet engines have to have a device that injects compressed air into the engine that starts it. There's no ifs, ands or buts about this. That is a fact.
0: Right, and there's actually a piece of footage going out or I don't know, just some random mechanics, I guess. I'm not sure who it is. Have a jet engine in, like, a big garage. Um, people should go look it up and, and take a look at that. I, I saw it, like, from three different sources, I think. Um, the claim being made is is that it was fired off with fuel and then compressed air ran it after that. Um, they can go check out that video to get started. Go ahead, Jason.
1: So I ran some numbers, and the stated fuel capacity for a 747 800 jet which is the modern uh, version of the 747 it says that it can hold 60,925 gallons of jet fuel according to boeing's website it burns five gallons of fuel per mile it is also said to burn somewhere around 846 gallons of fuel on takeoff
0: now that's a, that's a big number. Well, what cracks me up is I know people who still have the old HI pickup trucks from like the late sixties and those are getting eight miles to the gallon. Not even kidding. So here we're being told uh, a Boeing jet is getting five miles to the gallon. That's, I don't know, man. That seems... Oh, no, no, no. Other way around. Five gallons to the mile. Oh, okay. I'm looking at this backwards. I was going to say right out of the gate, that doesn't look. But even so, five gallons per the mile. All right. That's a little more acceptable, I guess, Jason. Go ahead. Keep pushing. Uh, Let's just get the data out there.
1: So according to some numbers I found, there are around 105,000 commercial planes taking off every day. That means for takeoff alone for large jets, a rough number just for fuel consumption of the takeoff would be 88,837,000 gallons. This would mean that we use 32 billion gallons per year on takeoff alone. Official stats say airlines in recent years consume approximately 16 billion a year. According to other statistics I found, approximately 35 billion barrels of oil are extracted each year. In each barrel of oil, they say they can get four Gallons of jet fuel. They broke it down to they get this, 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 and that, and one of the things was four gallons of jet fuel. Working those numbers out, this would give 140 billion gallons to meet the 32 billion gallon requirement, so that part works out. And of course, there are larger jets and there are smaller jets, and they would have different requirements. So we don't know what exactly these numbers would work out, so I just went with all 747s. But we're also not even including privately owned jets and all of the militaries around the world.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask, is that 140 billion gallons just for air travel alone or air jet fuel alone? The 140
1: billion gallons is what it would equate out to for how much they extract per barrel per year.
0: Okay, I'm losing you. extract for what though? Is that for use everywhere or for use in the in the aircraft industry? Well, that's just what they
1: say they produce per year from the, the barrels of oil that are extracted worldwide.
0: All right, so then that's for everybody. So that means for all the militaries, for all the cars, for all the everything. I don't know, man. Those numbers seem seem to get thin. But anyhow, do you have a rough breakdown of the weight of the fuel? Because uh, when people were reposting videos, the thing that got me was it was being equated with the weight of a 2018 Camaro, how many would actually be on the wing of a plane if the wings were in fact full of that much fuel.
1: Yeah, when I did the rough math on a 747 – it would be approximately 90 average cars, like a sedan, which weighs about 4,000 pounds or two tons. So averaging all that out, you would have that a 747 would have to lift the equivalent of about 90 cars. Now, how that's split up, I don't know, but according to the diagrams I saw, a lot of that fuel is in the wings. With all the things people are talking about regarding this, that's where the unlikeliness starts coming in is... Even if half of that was on the wings, could it support that much weight? That seems very unlikely.
0: Right. One of the clips I saw posted was using cubic tons, and it was showing like all these Camaros stacked up on the wings because that's where most of the fuel is stored, I assume. Um, So there it is, people. Go out and take a look at this idea. I know it's popular right now, but it only takes common sense. Um, Jason and I didn't have time to go through like some engineering for, for tensile strength and other things. But when I first saw this, I began to question, could you take that many cars and put them on the floor of a skyscraper, which we know is reinforced steel? Um, that's that's how kind of lopsided it began to look to me but anyhow jason that brings us close to the top of the first hour and we've got a ton of subscriber questions to get through i know we kind of chose a couple things that were popular for this week and i don't know how i feel about it i think next week we're going to get back on track uh to more of a typical show from us but are you ready to jump over to sub questions for hour two yep let's get the rest of the questions we promised we would get to for our subscribers All right, man, that brings our one of Crow Triple Seven Radio podcast episode 95 to a close. And we're going to jump over right over into the second hour, and we're going to get back into subscriber questions. And actually, they have been very interesting over the last three episodes. um, We've been going through them. I think we'll probably pretty much wrap up today. If I had to guess, we'll get through the remaining questions that we had. Anyhow, at the posting of this episode, there will be 95 free hours of content over at crow 7 radiocom that you can listen to without a login. If you want to become a member, that's great, too. Anyhow, hope to see you all there. Cheers.